program from a cultural perspective we find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge but we as a people will turn this around Proverbs 4 7 states wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom with all that getting get an understanding again welcome to the program this evening with your host brother Elliot and brother Richard the number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also we're streaming at a bb2me.com that's a-b-i-b-i-t-u-m-i.com forward slash time for an awakening they stream from ghana or you can download the tune in radio app to any of your devices tune in is a free app in that tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream your program live even into your car if you had bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection again that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the tune in app drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com again that's time for an awakening at gmail.com time for an awakening also has a fan page on facebook and that facebook search engine you can type in time for an awakening radio program there you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or brother richard and do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook and time for an awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on time for an awakening, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times and share with your friends. Also check out that time for an awakening marketplace in our partnership with the BB to me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here on this uh, hot Sunday evening in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, the Sunday, July 30th edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening in conversation, activists and representing the National Black Farmers Association tonight, Miss Cara Boyd, the wife of John Boyd, will be joining us this evening to give us updates on what has been going on since the last time uh, we had Mr. Boyd join us on the program. Uh, it's a lot of things been going on, and, and uh, the listening audience need to hear a lot of these things because you you might not be hearing them from your representatives. 
We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, 
what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. And uh, before we get started with our program this evening, let me welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm 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 quite interested to to see the uh to listen to and be engaged in conversation with I don't know if I should say this, Elliot, the king maker. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh about one of one of, you know, something so important as far as, you know, just the farmers and where we are in relationship to, you know, developing and expanding or, you know, um looking visioning uh what um Mr. Boyd has going on. So I'm I'm wait I'm I'm waiting for um this um interesting and and insightful um uh, conversation. You know, before before we uh introduce our guest this evening, uh uh Ms. Cara Boyd, uh Brewer Boyd, um let me just refresh some of our because we've had uh farmers on, we've had some of the name plaintiffs, some Pickford versus Glickman on over the years. Uh we've had different uh, activist attorneys that have been fighting in behalf of the farmers, including Mr. Boyd, uh, on the program several times. Um, but just for the listening audience sake, I just want to refresh you a little bit to exactly what's going on. Uh, the young lady, and her name escapes me, and I'm sorry about that, she did a interview on Channel 6, a little series she was doing, and the farmers were a part of it. It was, they played it, I guess, about a month and a half ago. I recorded some of the audio, and I want to play some of this audio clip for you. It's about three minutes, and you'll hear several voices in this audio. You'll hear Cory Booker. You'll hear Warnock. Uh, you'll hear Dwayne Goldman, who's the uh, advisor on racial equity at USDA. And you'll hear some of the farmers talking about this situation from their perspective and then we're going to go to our guests uh for this evening's program but let me just uh put some of this footage in here and play some of this for you for our listening audience uh wow first i want to play uh some of this audio here of uh comments made by a booker and warnock in this uh, particular clip Over the last century, black farmers have lost more than 12 million acres of land. In 1920, 14% of all farms were operated by black farmers. But by 2017, that figure had plummeted to 1.7%, just half a percent of the country's 4.7 million acres of farmland. In 2021, Congress approved $4 billion in loan forgiveness for farmers of color and a program aimed to address historic discrimination by the USDA which has acknowledged routinely denying loans to farmers of color. But it was stopped in its tracks, halted by a lawsuit from white farmers who claimed they were being excluded because of their race. To be eligible for this debt relief, uh, you had to be a minority. 
if you weren't a minority, you were excluded. Now, the problem I have, I'm all for helping minority farmers, all farmers, uh, but our U.S. Constitution forbids discrimination, uh, our government from discriminating uh, against a citizen because of their race. You know, all citizens are equal uh, before the law. To avoid the legal fight, Democrats rewrote the plan, removing references to race and splitting the relief into two funds. Look, it was what it was. We had a a legal system now dominated by a lot of conservative jurists who would not let that program go forward. And we knew that would put more farmers in peril. And so it's on the USDA now uh, to make sure that they're going to implement this in a way that eligible farmers get the resources they are owed. Lawmakers like Senator Raphael Warnock, who have been pushing for relief, say time is running out for these farmers to get the money they were promised. What more do you want to see from USDA? I I want to see USDA uh, get the farmers the relief that we've passed through legislation. It is taking entirely too long. Um, While uh, folks are caught up in, in bureaucracy and processes, Another planning season has come and gone. Now, we hear the, and at this point, I call it excuses by our lawmakers and quote-unquote leadership about justice for black farmers that have been going on uh, since the mid-'90s when that lawsuit was first filed. Pickford versus Glickman, one, two, and several presidents have, uh, whether it was Clinton, uh, Bush twice, Obama, Trump, now Biden. So this is not something that just has popped up. So the shuffling and the, the foot political football being thrown back and forth with men's lives and and legacies is not acceptable as far as I'm concerned. And as far as the people that you're going to hear tonight is concerned. Now, let me play. Uh, just this last piece before we bring on our guests. And you'll hear uh, one of the farmers that was on our program before, Lucius Abrams, other farmers, and you'll hear the voice of uh, Dwayne Goldman. Um, and then we're going to get into it with our guest this evening. kind of died on me well don't worry about it uh, we'll, maybe we'll play it after we take a commercial break but our guest this evening is going to talk about a lot of this and enlighten our audience as activists and representing the National Black Farmers Association tonight on the program Miss Cara Brewer Boyd is with us this evening Miss Boyd how are you can you hear me uh oh Ms. Boyd? I see her mic is off. Yeah, you know what? I don't know what's going on. Her her audio is... uh, uh, Ms. Boyd, can you hear me? You know what? I'll... I'll, um, I think she's coming in on another another thing here, Richard. Ms. Boyd, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, great. 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 <laughs> Thank you guys for, you know, allowing me this opportunity. Um, 
Brother Richard, Brother Booker, a uh, great opportunity to be here with you and with the listening audience. There's so much to be said. Um, I think I need three nights <laughs> just to really set the record straight. Well, um, you know what? I want to kind of take it step by step, Ms. Boyd, um, because, uh, you know, and to let our audience know what's going on now. But let's go back a little bit. Okay. Um, after the um, the uh, money that was supposed to be allocated from the American Rescue Plan for black farmers was uh, was taken away. That was uh, section 1005. Okay. There were actually two sections. 1005, which was $4 billion for the 120% debt relief. And then there was um, a billion dollars for assistance for farmers who've been discriminated in the past. The only section that was repealed was Section 1005, the debt relief. Okay. Now, um, we talked about that on our program because uh, along with the white farmers that had uh, uh, filed lawsuits, you had the banks, several banks that uh, approached Congress and said that they weren't interested in giving uh, black farmers debt relief. So, Correct. So uh, in, uh, Ben Crump was engaged by uh, the Black Farmers Association, which is you and your husband, to file a lawsuit against the government in behalf of the farmers. Uh, we talked about yes. the decision that was made in reference to it. And take, well, kind of take it from that point. The yeah, floor is yours. You know, there's, there's a lot of things to get us to that point. Go ahead. Because we advocated, John and, and I both, um, for the passage of American Rescue Plan, uh, Emergency Relief for Farmers of Color, Section 1005. When that money was passed in, I want to say, March of 2021, um, they already, when I say they, I'm sorry, USDA had already identified those farmers that were eligible. And instead of getting the money out to those farmers, they created a process. They even uh, filed a federal register, an announcement of funding availability. Um, and then they created a form FSA 2601. The FSA 2601 was sent out to the farmers, and the farmers had to accept the amount, waive their rights, send it back in, and they were told to ignore any future correspondence to collect that debt because it was paid. And what happened during that process is only four farmers out of over 15,000 farmers, only four farmers ever received that debt relief. So it was the bureaucracy, it was the disparate treatment. Why did USDA create that lengthy process, which de delayed um, the payments going out to those farmers? The reason they did that was so those white farmers could organize and file it in court. I can say, and if I say it, you can trust it was said, Secretary Vilsack on a call with uh, my husband, John Boyd, and Congressman David Scott, who was then chair of the House Agriculture Committee, said that the legislation was going to be challenged in court. They already knew before it was ever passed that those white farmers were going to fight that legislation. But nonetheless, there was delay tactics. USDA after all the discrimination cases, no one was ever fired or reprimanded for those acts of discrimination. The only person that was ever reprimanded and fired was Shirley Sherrod. So this is the systemic ongoing racism that's deep embedded at USDA. 
So we had that happening. And once the court, uh, John and I filed um, amicus briefs in each one of the cases, over the 12 cases around the country, um, the National Black Farmers Association was engaged to represent our members to stand up against the white farmers. What we were disappointed in is that the government didn't fight back. They didn't stand their ground. It was another broken promise. Worse than uh, 40 acres and a mule, this was President Biden making this promise and then breaking his own promise. And so that's why we retained uh, Attorney Ben Crump to file the breach of contract in federal court um, that case is known as Boyd versus the United States, 22CB01473. Um, people who want to go look that case up, they can. It's a legitimate case. It was a class action. Unfortunately, the judge ruled in favor of the government to dismiss our class action, but it has been appealed. So there'll be actions forthcoming. But that's where we're at on uh American, well, they call it ARPA, Section 1005, and the 120% um, that the farmers didn't receive after being told that they would receive it. And they went out and they made financial decisions. Um, they borrowed more money. Yes. They uh, sold their animals. Some farmers uh, leased new land, uh, bought new equipment. This is what they were told to do. Um, in exchange for the monies, they were to invest in their farm operations. So these farmers are now in a situation where they relied on the government to do what they said they were going to do. And in a contractual agreement, the guaranteed borrowers, FSA, Farm Service Agency, has two types of borrowers. You have direct and guaranteed. The direct borrowers get the money from FSA, USDA, and they make those payments back to FSA. The guaranteed borrowers, which is a higher limit, make those at the banks and the banks are the ones that wrote the letters to secretary Vilsack and said that they would be harmed if those loans were paid off. Uh, Ms. Boyd, the, uh, when you mentioned that, uh, the, the failure of people to stand up and you mentioned uh, Biden because he's the one that basically said it, but you got, uh, black elected officials that sit in Congress that allocate money. And now, I, let me say this, and then I'm, I'm going to just pass it back to you uh, before I go to uh, uh, just pass it off to Brother Richard. We, The listening audience heard the voice of uh, Rapmel Warnock and Cory Booker in that clip saying that, well, and they gave excuse about, well, we're in an environment with conservative. Oh, I'm sorry. With conservatives, with conservatives fighting, um, and that's what they're up against. But he said that we're gonna. We hope that the USDA is going to do what's right by farmers. Both of them said that. Now, it's clear that the USDA has no intention of doing right by black farmers because they haven't been doing it to this point. Your your husband. And, and yourself included, uh, voiced about Vilsack being coming uh, the head of the USDA again, being appointed by Biden when Biden was talking about looking for a head for USDA. So they knew that he was problematic when he was there before. So 
being that Congress approves money for USDA, uh, they have leverage to basically force them to do what they're supposed to do, not only legally, but morally. So why keep passing the buck saying, oh, we hope USDA does this, when they know and can see clearly from evidence that they have no intention on doing it? Well, that's an easy answer, because when they pass the legislation, they put in there at the discretion of of the secretary. (laughs) There is no congressional oversight. It simply says at the discretion of the secretary, which is what we've been raising issues, you know, for decades. So the elected officials, they know, and they say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're going to do right. Oh, and every time that there's a congressional hearing uh, and Secretary Vilsack is there, it's a love fest. You know, there's no accountability and there's no transparency. Um, and I'm probably going to step on a lot of toes, but it's okay. You know, tell the truth and change the devil. And so that's where we are today in that the $4 billion was repealed. And I can tell you that those guaranteed borrowers – that are indebted with the bank and the taxpayer guarantees those loans up to 95% are the ones being foreclosed on. Those banks, um, you know, are pulling the strings at USDA. USDA is not stopping those farm foreclosures. We were able to stop one early on um, in uh, Congressman Clyburn's district in South Carolina, but there's one out in Oklahoma, 700, it's a little over 700 acres, Um, that the bank is actively foreclosing on. Uh, There's an Idaho. But I think it is a dereliction of duty. I'm going to use some very strong words here. For the United States government, USDA Farm Service Agency, to not have communicated with one guaranteed borrower to to date on any of this debt relief or loan servicing. Their communication has solely been with the banks, which tells you who they consider to be the customer. So how are they going to do right by the farmers when they view the bank as the customer? And the banks are foreclosing on the farmers, and China is buying the land. Wow. Richard? Uh, you know, and, and, and um, probably, Ms. Boyd, I'll be, I'll be just, like, reemphasizing, like, the major points that you brought up already. But when um, is there... A bank, or is there a series of banks, and are these banks are are known by you that that is that are the customers, as you say, to um, to, to them? Is there the particular banks or that that is making this request that they would be armed? Yes, there were three large bank associations. Oh, 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 Miss Boyd. Yes, can you guys hear me okay? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, there's sorry. There's three banks? Yeah, well, there's three bank associations. So mm-hmm. the preferred lenders, and a lot of banks got out of agriculture. Um, so this is ag lending, which is very different than commercial real estate lending. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm trying to think of the name of the bank in Oklahoma, um, People's Bank. Uh, and, and Edmund. Um, so these are these preferred lenders. Uh, hmm. I think she uh, might have a little problem with her audio uh, cord, uh, Richard. 
All right. I, I think what's happening is I'm on my cell phone to when the screen goes down. Okay. The audio is going off. So I'm going to try to look at it and keep it on it. My apologies. But there are three bank associations. So People's Bank uh, is one of those in Oklahoma. And uh, Arbor One is the bank in uh, South Carolina that we were able to stop the foreclosure with. So it's different banks right. um, that loan the money uh, to those guaranteed borrowers. And USDA has to sign off on an approval plan for the liquidation when it's going to be foreclosed. And so there is a process, but we just don't see USDA following that process to protect the farmers. And and I think it's important, um, the the point that you made, that um, the government, and important, and from my way of thinking, not unfamiliar, that the government thinks the banks are their clients compared to the farmers, right? Um, that's, you know, it, it's in the structure. Well, um, you also mentioned um, um, Representative or, or um, Ms. Shirley Sherrod, um, and you were saying, I guess she got caught up in the mix of this. Um, uh, could you expand more on, on what support she provided and how um, – you know, in the end, she may have gotten uh, unfairly, if I understood you right, um, re- removed in the mix of this as far as supporting the farmers. Yes, Shirley Sherrod was a government employee, and her statements were taken out of context, and Secretary Vilsack fired her. Mm-hmm. And then it came back, she um, challenged them on her dismissal, and she won her case. But how is it that she's the one person that was fired, the person of color who was actually speaking correctly, um, but the person that spit on John Boyd, tore up his application, threw it in the trash, all of these things was never fired or reprimanded, and he was allowed to retire with benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the things that we have going on. And when John and I met with Secretary Sonny Perdue under the Trump administration, I mean, we haven't even had that with Secretary Vilsack. And... It's under the Biden administration. They re, he refuses to sit down and have a face-to-face meeting with us. Where is the accountability and the transparency? And you talked about Dr. Dwayne Goldman, um, who is over the Equity Commission. Where does he come from? He comes from Bear Monsanto. Hmm. I mean, come on, people. Let's follow the money. Let's see who's really watching the hen house. And, and going and going back, you know, to where Elliot um, was raising a question, and you you said it was um, when it, um, Varsak comes in front of the Congress, it becomes somewhat of a love fest. A love fest. But in relationship to and 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 I have to my bias is that um, these knowing the condition, you know, that the black farmers are in, and knowing the situation that's been going on. Um, since the 90s and, and, and what you've been dealing with through all these presidents. Um, maybe this is an unfair question. Do you see the Black Congressional Caucus as a advocate for black farmers? Well, what I heard from my husband after meeting with um, Representative Clyburn, who's the whip, um, they were at a, uh, a celebration for... Uh, leader Hakeem Jeffries Mm -hmm. and Congressman Clyburn told John that it's just the climate's not right. It's not, you know, a time when they can address these issues. And, and John asked him, well, when is the time going to be right when there's no more of us, you know, and that's, that's just where we are. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the question becomes, you know, these elected officials, are they more concerned about getting reelected 
and they already owe everybody, or is this about doing what's right? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I can say that, you know, they're not ringing my phone. I'm ringing their phone. Mm -hmm. I'm fighting to get this, you know, resolved. Um, But they're very quiet. And I told them when they get quiet, I get loud. Um, So then we, we get over into the Inflation Reduction Act. John and I both said, please don't pass this measure without stronger wording. Uh, because what it said in section 22007, the three point, I'm sorry, the $2.2 billion discrimination fund is that any farmer, listen to that, any farmer, not a black farmer, not a farmer of color, but any farmer who's faced any form of discrimination at USDA and a farm lending program can get up to $500,000. Do you hear the problem with that prior to t- discrimination prior to 2021? Any farmer. Any farmer. And so that's what we have is when they pass legislation and it doesn't have any teeth in there. We understand that they're saying you can't discriminate, but they can discriminate by race, but we can't fix it by race. Mm -hmm. So that's always going to be an imbalance there. And so what we have now is a process that's being touted that it's for black farmers, but it's not. That initiative is for any farmer. And the claims administrator, there's already been $100 million paid out to set up this process. $100 million. And that claims administrator has already stated that no farmer is going to get the maximum amount of Mm $500,000. So it's already rigged against us. If you're already saying no farmer is going to get it, we went from an eight-page application in the prior discrimination settlement in Ray Black Farmers, also known as Pickford II, eight pages to a 40-page application, 40 pages, and they're telling people they don't need an attorney and we're going to provide technical assistance. It's not free because they paid $100 million for it to set up this process and to get you assistance, but there's 24 offices around the country. You have 24 offices in in 52 states, and there's not one in the Virgin Islands. There's not one in Puerto Rico. There wasn't one in Virginia, but guess what? They're opening one on August the 4th, but it's in Petersburg. In the whole state of Virginia, you've got one office to provide technical assistance, but you got two in Pennsylvania. Mm. And there are people being trained now to help people complete the application. And we're asking, what's the GAO time for this form? There has to be, a, you know, due to the Paper Reduction Act, a time for requirement to complete this application. So what is it? 40 pages, not 40 questions, 40 pages. And one of the eligibility questions, it um, says on there that you have to check. I printed this out and I should have sent it to Elliot. It says self and I, self and I, self and I, and I, you know, and my farmers are saying who is self and I, you know, it's, it's not that these processes are developed um, for these farmers, these individuals get this money and they've been paid. And the concern isn't about how much the farmer's going to get. These farmers, if they get 500,000 applications, we don't know who's making the decisions, mm. you know, um, and if there is a bias in there somehow, we don't know because we weren't at the table and with these questions. And so who's making the decisions? Is there a uh, an appeal or a review process. Um, 
Is there a criteria? What's the award tier? So farmers who've been discriminated against in the past were told that they could apply to this process, but it doesn't say that they're going to receive um, priority consideration, but they're having to re-litigate their claim that they've already won. Who did this? A hundred million dollars. And this is not set up for the benefit of the farmers. I, I, and and I, I'll make this my last question for now, but, and I have to ask, and now hopefully I'm out of, not out of line. You'll hear me say that a lot in sport. <laughs> um, that when you, as an advocate for black farmers, did you, would you have imagined that the process that you're going have you and your husband is going through would be the, the would be like this when you started? Absolutely not. And you know we're not at the table. And we had a conversation with the uh, the vendors that are doing this process, a hundred million dollars, and they told us there was no funding for us to help our mom, our members complete this process. A hundred million dollars. And then one of them sent an email and said, oh, John Boyd's pretty smart and savvy. I'm pretty sure he can find some funding somewhere to help those black farmers. Really? Really? Mm. But he's already paid. Ms. Boyd, you you mentioned that uh, they set up these financial assistance, uh, I guess, pods at the different county fairs. Uh, yes. You, you did send me a portion of uh, one of the... That's it. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. Hold it. Now, most of our farmers are still in the Black Belt area, but I don't see any... Of the, uh, Florida is the only one I see down here, and it says uh, the Minority Farmers Conference. But the rest of these... Uh, Pods are set up in areas where uh, Wisconsin, uh, 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 and the okay, reason being, I mean, these areas for any farmer. Remember, it's any farmer. This is not black farmers, and they try to tout it. The administration, oh, this is the, uh, an, an initiative to help black farmers. Well, how many black farmers do you know still have receipts from 1997? And if USDA doesn't have them, why should the farmer, why should the burden be on the on the farmer to provide it? And, you know, this should have never, this process should have never been set up this way. And it's, it's an unfair process. But what they're going to be able to say when it's over and done with, oh, we're not dealing with discrimination anymore at USDA. We paid out $2.2 billion and that's over. So who just got the short end of the stick? The farmers did. And these entities, these three entities that got $100 million, you know, I don't know how they're going to look at people. I wouldn't have that blood on my hands for nothing. You know, I'm looking at this uh, article here. It's in the Daytona Times, uh, July the 30th. uh, Excuse me. No, not July 30th. I'm sorry. uh, July 27th. And the headline says, Biden administration pledges $5.3 billion. For black farmers. And see, and that's a lie. Okay. That okay. is a lie. The $3.1 billion is uh, Section 22006, and that's for distressed borrowers. And that predominantly has gone to white farmers. And what they did was anybody who was uh, 90 days past due, they brought them current and paid one payment forward. So that wasn't even 
all of the farmers who were eligible under Section 1005. And so this money went out within a matter of days. But hold up, wait a minute. Remember when it was to go to the black and the other farmers of color? Yes. It took over a year and only four people got paid. You mean that this money for distressed bars that was going to predominantly white farmers went out with their not without their knowledge or consent? They didn't even have to accept it. They just paid it. But when it came to farmers of color getting their debts paid and getting that debt relief, it was a whole different treatment, disparate treatment and process. And so that's why we say it's continuing. Discrimination isn't often very blatant, slap you in the face. You know, it's very systemic and kind of hidden in there. And it discourages people from participating or it denies people um, the access that others have. And so that's what you see even in the location of these centers and places where these farmers can go for help. In Oklahoma at the state fair um, in September, I mean, what farmer is going to get off from work, go to a state fair and fill out a 40-page application there? They have one office in Oklahoma. It's in North Edmond, Oklahoma, one in Raleigh, North Carolina, And I've seen some events that they're hosting in Raleigh, North Carolina at a church for 30 minutes. Who can fill out a 40-page application in 30 minutes? Where is the accountability? And the application went live July 7th, and the deadline is October 31st. That's less than 120 days. And in all the previous lawsuits, we had 180 days. So now you've got... For, for eight pages. So before we had 180 days for eight page application and we went all around the country and we were able to help people do that. But with this, you've got three entities that were paid a hundred million dollars, created a 40 page application. And we have less than 120 days to help these farmers get these claims filed. And what is also very different about this claims process is that farmers cannot apply for deceased family members. Where before, if your father had passed or you had a sibling that passed, um, you were able to apply on their behalf. That is not available in this process. So, so well, now, wait a minute. Help me with this. Just say, for example, if I live in another state and my dad was a farmer and passed away, uh, and then I, the land goes to me, or I'm air property or whatever, and I try, I can't apply... If I didn't just say I wasn't living on a farm, I'd moved uh, 20, 30 years ago, but came back to maybe take over my dad's uh, land. I'm not eligible to apply. Is that what you're saying? No, not unless you were the individual that was discriminated against. Let's say your father was a prevailing claimant under Pickford or Pickford II. Uh You cannot apply on his behalf. Only he. Remember that self and I? I, I, I. Wow. Richard, <laughs> you, you know what? That's so scary because this ties to that language and that approach ties to this reparation discussion. I know that's a side, but it, you know, making it yes. Yeah. And, and, and what I think, how I think that they've this uh, claims administrator has um, rigged this to be or formulated this process based upon the number of applications that they approve. Let's say they get 500,000, then they're going to divide it because at $2.2 billion, there could only be 40,000 farmers to get $500,000. 
Well, they've had attorneys out for months before the application ever became live telling anybody and everybody that they could get them qualified. And so now you have the potential for five to a hundred thousand, if not 500,000 or, you know, an unknown number of people filing these claims and who's going to vet them, who's going to approve them. And then that number is going to be divided into 2.2 billion. And what about the tiers? See, when it was passed, I was led to believe that up to the 500,000 would be determined based upon the financial uh, damages, economic damages, those individual farmers suffered. So let's say if a farmer like John Boyd um, lost his farm, he was foreclosed and, um, that farm today is valued at, you know, a million dollars. His farm equipment was sold at auction, you know, then he might be one of the people who would be eligible for 500,000. But according to this process and the way that this claims administrator has orchestrated this process, um, this third party neutral is that that number of farmers that they say, okay, these people have discriminated, have, demonstrated that they've been discriminated against. So we're just going to take that number, divide it into $2.2 billion, and everybody's going to get a check for $200. You're going to have some mad black farmers. Oh, wow. And you know what? I would be showing up at these meetings where they're doing this technical assistance asking, hey, you know, who who actually is going to be making these decisions? What's their qualifications? You know, we didn't have answers to any of these questions that we've been raising uh, before the process started, and we don't even have them now going through the process. But when it's all said and done, guess what? That ship sailed. There's no bringing this process back. Mm. It has been fast line, and it's being propagandized out so far, you know, and just trying to sell to the black community that that uh, $5.3 billion was for these farmers, but the three point one. I got off track there, was for the distressed borrowers, and the 2.2 is for the discrimination fund, and both of those are for any farmers, not just black farmers. Ellie, if I can, can I I ask um, Ms. Boyd this question, and it goes to media and propagandizing. Is this clarity of what's going on um, in the black press, um, to your understanding, is it being um, um, uh, echoed enough? Oh, it's, you know, and, and the thing is, it's a false narrative. I almost feel like I'm in North Korea. The government is good. Oh, this is good. Biden's doing this and Biden's doing that. Ah. And we're sitting here, you know, Biden said he was going to have a face-to-face meeting with John Boyd. And the black community should already know if Biden hasn't had the meeting with John Boyd, he's not a man of his word. And if you're not a man of your word, how can I trust you? You know, let's just keep it short and simple. If you tell me you're going to do something and you don't do it, then I know what you are. Wow. Ms. Boyd, you, um, it, I, I caught uh, portions because I, I couldn't listen the whole time. I was kind of back and forth. But I caught portions of you and your husband on the Madison show last week. <laughs> and a statement that your husband made, and you alluded to it uh, maybe about 15 minutes ago, that when he met with Clyburn, that Clyburn told him that the environment wasn't right and that the farmer's just going to have to take it on the chin. Yes. Now, you know, that that statement in itself is just beyond insensitivity. 
This is a man that grew up in the South. I'm quite sure that he probably grew up on a, if he didn't grow up on a farm, his, some of his people did. For him to make a statement like that, and, you know, the way he's wording it, they're going to have to take it on the chin, is, you know, like he's just talking to your husband. But he represents thousands of other farmers that have a legacy that they want to leave to their family. What are you talking about? Take this on the chin. That, that in itself is crazy. But he's the majority whip, and is, he has more power than any other, according to, you know, what they say in government, he has more power than any other black elected official. So if he's saying this, what are the rest of them saying besides nothing? Right. And that's the thing is, you know, in politics today, people like yes people. People don't like people who challenge the system. And I'll go back to President Obama. Um, you know, President o- Senator Obama was the sponsor, the lead sponsor on the Black Farmers Bill after Senator um, Ted Kennedy got sick. And when Senator Obama announced that he was running Oh, this boy. And John did. Um, there's a whole story there about John was already working on Hillary Clinton's campaign. And he was told that he was going to be out for more years with Clinton uh, because he was supporting Obama. And so John stuck with President Obama. After President Obama won, they told the administration told John Boyd, we're not going to address the black farmers issue right now. We're going to do that in the second term. John Boyd said, oh, no, you're not, because you might not get a second term. So, therefore, you got John Boyd now back out in the streets, you know, holding protest against the Obama administration. And I could send you emails where this black community, people said they were going to boycott John Boyd. But John Boyd was the only black leader out there fighting for those black farmers. And thank God he was. And thank God we finally, in 2008, it was introduced as the Boyd Claims Remedy Act, went on to be the the Claims Remedy Act of 2010, and the black farmers got that money. And they were all standing there with hands out getting paid, saying, oh, yeah, we were with you. But I got the emails that shows where they were not in support of John Boyd petitioning the Obama administration to get that second round of payments for those late filers and the black farmers discrimination Mm. cases (laughs) so everything ain't what it appears and sometimes you've got people out there you know that are leading the way they're forging the way and you know john's took some some hits Uh, but he's doing john is a farmer first and foremost so that's where that passion comes from john boyd you know had a farm that was foreclosed on and i'm gonna tell you right now okay mr booker you guys got me fired up here y'all shouldn't have done this today but i'm gonna lay it all out there okay so in 1997, John Boyd received the first um, USDA settlement for racial discrimination, okay? He was to receive 100% debt relief. How about if I told you in 2019, when John and I went to buy a farm, we found out that his farm was still encumbered by USDA liens. What? From 97 to 2019, the government hadn't released the liens on his farm? Nope. So John and I uh, get in the car and we get out uh, to our uh, local FSA uh, office. Wait a minute, I don't want to. I don't wanna, keep your train of thought, Miss Boyd. So, wait a minute, were okay. you led to believe that they were? Uh, yes, yes. And all this time, never did anything. But you would think, and that's where USDA and why our farmers need to check. They need to know this stuff, and this show is so important that we get this message out. 
Um, USDA is the only lender I know that requires the borrower to remove the liens that they put on your property. Did you know that? Mm-mm. The certificate of satisfactions, the uh, USDA says they're going to mail them to the borrower, and the borrower has to take it to the county office and file it. But guess what? I didn't have to take that lien up there and file it when you gave me the money. And so what happened in John Boyd's case is those certificates of satisfaction were still in his folder at the local county office. Well, usually after three to five years, when a loan is no longer active, they file those files away, right? They put them in storage. So from 1997, 1999 to 2019, John and I go in that office. Do you think you would find an active file in there on John Boyd who's borrowed no money from USDA since then? But guess what? There was a file in there. So the loan uh, assistant opens it up, and there are, I want to say there's five, certificates of satisfaction that have been prepared, but they've never been signed or executed. Kara, how do you know that? Because if you look at the date on the notary, right, it says 1998. So they were prepared in 1997. Nobody ever signed them. They're blank, and they're still in his file. You can't tell me that that isn't retaliation, that that file wasn't put there and, and hid just waiting one day for somebody to find it, you know, to say, hey, we still have these certificates here. So John files a new uh, complaint for discrimination and retaliation against USDA in 2019. And we call for a full accounting of his loans because some of the stuff that was happening, we had the 12-page fact of findings is John Boyd was the only poultry farmer in Mecklenburg County, and he was making payments, but they were never applied to his account. So the local loan manager said, oh, I must have just put him on another poultry loan. Mm. Well, there was no other poultry loan in the entire county. And John had a supervised bank account. So all this stuff, as John was going around the country, you know, saw that it was more egregious as they got down in the south and everywhere. And that's why John Boyd's been at the forefront of this. And so I ask them, you know, to please do this full accounting. But they said no, and they had a new loan manager. So he decides he's just going to prepare some new certificates of satisfaction, right, because they haven't discriminated against John Boyd. And so they sent them to our closing attorney. The closing attorney files them. You know, I'm assuming everything's right. You would too, right? Yeah. Going to your attorney, the attorney files them. Well, in March of 2021, when this debt relief comes out, for these uh, borrowers at FSA, something says to Kara, we know it's God, it's the Holy Spirit, right? Kara, go check on John's loans to make sure everything's good. And I said, well, where's the receipt? If John Boyd's loans were all paid in full, you know, is there any paperwork? Is there a receipt? Is there anything? No, there's no transaction. There's no nothing. And so I go to the county courthouse and I pull those certificates of satisfaction that were prepared, signed, notarized, given to our closing attorney, and they filed at the courthouse. How about when you check the math, John Boyd still owes FSA $45. Now, is that incompetency or just lack of care and concern? Mm. So technically, John Boyd should have gotten an FSA 2601. And John Boyd is not free and clear, and he's not being held harmless because of USDA's actions. So now you know why they don't want John Boyd at the table. But I can tell you what John and Carol Boyd did do. If you go to the state of the black farmers hearing that uh, Congressman David Scott from Georgia had back in, I want to say it's 2020. 
we actually filed all of those reports and records as a part of that congressional testimony. Bam. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it's there. And someone from the Department of Justice said they couldn't believe that there wasn't a, a lawsuit filed the next day on behalf of black farmers. Um, but that's where we're at. And, you know, it's just it's amazing, you know, all these years later. And even now that they even know it, nobody's trying to fix it. I would have been the first person out there saying, hey, let me go file this $45 certificate of satisfaction and get rid of John Boyd. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Wow. But they haven't. And so if you're not fixing it, why? And you've got these people at the table, right, this equity commission that's producing reports with the same recommendations that they've been other commissions and people giving for, you know, decades. So where's the sincerity? Where's the action in really resolving these issues? And that would have happened with those farmers um, who got that 120% debt relief to get their deeds instead of a, you know, an annual payment um, would have meant a lot. And mm. Oh, you know what? That's uh look like we lost our audio again. What we're gonna do? We're gonna take a brief break, and when we come back, hopefully uh, uh, we'll, we can uh, recover. But she'll be back. We'll take a brief break, and when we come back, you can be involved in the conversation by dialing two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. It's coming. This is to be Black Liberation Movement. Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club presents the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Building Power Summit, free the land, undivide, and reclaim. September 15th to the 17th, Jackson, Mississippi at the historic Black Tougaloo College. Portions of the conference to be aired on Time for an Awakening Media, Black Talk Radio Network. Calling all serious black power organizations, revolutionaries, organizers to attend this divine experience. For more information, contact Brother Patrick Lumumba, 662-560-5434, Sister Crystal Denise, 405-361-4751, and Brother Nick Bezel, 512-364-0050. That's the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. 
RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global you Black family, to join your interconnected you Black communities, escape the digital plantation now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock nobody takes the black man serious we're just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we're the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers, and the killers, and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths 
and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, the Sunday edition. It's 8 10 here in the city of Philadelphia. And Richard, <laughs> I, I, I'm I, telling you, I, I mean, I think this boy's phone must have died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm, I mean, she, as she said, she was just getting fired. She's like, what did she say? I'm just, you know, y'all ain't got me fired up. But Elliot, I mean, Elliot, I mean, it's the, the, I mean, like you said, um, Clyborne's thing that it's not, the climate is not right. I have to ask, what does that mean? What does that mean? What, I mean, to these, you know, to these people who are, I mean, these are families, and I was going to ask, um, you know, uh, Sister Boyd, you know, like you, you you hear her as a woman that is close to this, as a black, a wife of a black farmer. Can you imagine the other women who are coming, you know, the frustration they have, the wives and, 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 and of black farmers, that, and really family members, when that piece that she mentioned, that even somebody who's close to a farmer who passed away, they are not eligible. This thing is 
it's it, the design can't get any more clear. Am I missing something, Ellie? No, I listen. I, I, and see, now it's clear. If you remember that text that she sent, Richard, and it said "I" and "me," right? And what does this mean? You remember when she said that? Right, right, right. Well, I think she made it clear to both of us what she what that meant. Right. Because when I asked her that scenario, which happens all the time, this is not like a, a, a an odd scenario. You might have had a relative, your father, whatever, that was a farmer in the South. And you left the South years ago. You didn't come up here, maybe during the Great Migrate or whatever. And you've been living up here. And if he pass and your air property can go down there, you can't file. Knowing that he didn't struggle all his life. You might have struggled before you left that farm. You can't apply for anything based on discrimination because it's not you. So that I and me, that's what that language. See, Richard, listen, all of these, they did the same thing with that 14th, 15th, 13th, right. 14th, 15th. All this legal language that they put in there to kind of stumble, make black people stumble where they think that they're citizens, but they're really not. Why you got to put, why don't you do what's right by people? What is the matter with you, Europeans? What is the matter with you? Why you always got to put some language in something where people can, and then all of a sudden, oh, why did you do this? Why Why is this here? What would she say now that even the $100 million that was, that was put there to assist that uh, uh, application that had grown, what's she say, from eight to 40 pages? Yes. A hundred million dollars. That was that, And here they're working with black farmers, and they say, well, you go out and get your own money. Mm. I mean, this, this, you know, when we talk about, and, and you shouldn't have brought this up, Elliot, we're, we're um, in, in Clubhouse, we're going through um, birthright citizenship by um, Martha Jones. So this question about is this, I mean, this is 2023. This ain't 1816 or, or 1865. This is 2023. And we're talking about black farmers. We're talking about land that's supposed to be the bedrock of American capitalism and wealth building. And you know that they've been wrong, but you create these processes and then the, we don't even know who is doing it. And and what she brought out, uh, uh, you know, it just makes me go on and on and on. But what she brought out, we find out, which ain't nothing new, who is the government feel that it's his client when we're talking about a citizen? Is it the farmers? <laughs> yeah. What yeah. is it the banks? You heard what she said. Oh, <laughs> uh, my boy. It's, it's, I mean, this is this. It, it get, you know, it, get, it gets me round up because I think that um, until we get clarity, and everybody who you know, this is one of them things where the person who's trying to help the person, you know, um, or as you say, you know, try to get do right. They that person get killed. We're talking about I'm, when I mention that it's metaphorically. I'm talking about um, these uh, the ex director Shirley Derrick. She's trying to help, and 
what happens to her? Like you can't help them, you know, not here. And even, you know, even this, and she was being polite, even, um, um, the state, the Senator Obama, he said the same thing as, uh, did, oh, did, did I hear it right? He was saying basically the same thing that Clyburn said. Well, we ain't going to handle it now. Yes. Yes. That's what she said. What is it See, about no, black farmers no. that Negroes in these positions? Oh, let me stop. Now, wait a minute. You heard her say that first they was working with Clintons because when this lost, when that lawsuit first came out, Although they they had been discriminating against black farmers ever since 1920 or earlier than that when they started taking farmers' land, but they filed that lawsuit in the in the 1990s. She said at the time he was working with Clinton and them. You, you heard her, right? right. And uh, Clinton and them passed this on because in between, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Richard. After Clinton was out, you had Bush, right? So. She said that he was trying to work with Obama on the same thing. Obama told him that they would push it. But then after he got in, said, well, let's wait to our next administration. And he said, he well, said, you might not, not get there. there. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so look, look at this kicking the can down the road type of thing. You had got Clinton. You had two Bushes. You had two Obamas. You had Trump. And you got Biden. That's over. That might be twenty-five years. That's a, almost a generation of kicking this can down the road that you never intend on treating these folks. And and all doing while you're so-called kicking that can down the road, people are passing away. People are losing their land. And when it gets close, yeah, as she said, when it gets close, and it's important to reiterate. You know, I don't. I don't know for the time for waking audience why we're you know, reiterating this, but just that, I mean, for me, Elliot, it's just a point of clarity. She said at one point they deliberately prolonged this so that the white farmers can be able to put their suitcase in play. Mm -hmm. Did I hear that right? Yeah. So not only is the banks getting, but white farmers are getting, and then what is, what, what happens? The language change. That is not for black farmers specifically. It's for all farmers who are harmed. And, and it, 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 yeah, but you don't fight. Soon as this lawsuit comes, you don't fight. You heard Booker say, well, uh, you know, we tried to do this, but it, we were sued. You heard him say that. Mm-hmm. And then the guy, Deadman, it's a black guy at USDA over racial disparity. He said the same thing. Well, we intended to do this, but we were sued. Okay, you were sued by white farmers, so that means you just uh, you just fold your tent. What kind of representatives? What kind of weak ass? What, what are these people? These people that run out here and tell other black people that uh, sometimes they're naive. Some of our people might not be up on things. Oh, vote like your life depends on it. Get out there, do your civic duty. All this so foolishness, and then you get up there and do stuff like this to black people. And if you're not aware of these issues, you think that these people are doing a great job. Go out there and ask some of the average black persons about Clyburn, about Hakeem Jeffries, about some of these other people that swear their allegiance to Israel and everybody else, but don't swear their allegiance to you as black people. 
The only allegiance they have to you is they got the same skin color. Other than that, they ain't, they ain't too much. You call the office, you get to run around. You might not speak to a secretary. The phone might your phone you the phone might go to a voicemail or nobody answers. When of our people gonna be sick of this foolishness and start developing candidates that really have the leadership qualities to move our people forward and not the, the, the qualities to play these political games with Europeans. Because when you play these political games with them, the one that loses is you, your people. That's the one who's historically lost, and that's the one who keeps losing. It makes me go back to this thought, Elliot, that, you know, when we raise the question, is black America a colony? You know how they do colonies, right? They extract. They extract from them, but the, the colony itself doesn't get anything from it. It's only used in order to support the major colonizer. The major. Who, is, who, is getting, who is the benefiting out of this? And even in a colony, you have, yes, you do have a administrative group that looks like you, but who do they serve? Do they serve the people they come from? Or do they, when you make a statement, it's, it's not the right time. The climate isn't right. Who, the climate isn't right for the farmers or the climate isn't right for who you working for? That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got that, that. The second one is the answer. I mean, this, you know, this framework, we because other than that, we're, I mean, as you said, this is a generation or maybe two, but at least a generation removed and go, and we're losing more land. And what she said, and, and, and I wanted to come back to that, that the Chinese are buying up the land. Yeah, that's what she said. Right and we there, talk, right you know, there, we got some people talk about what, what's going on on the continent with the Chinese buying up land. This is when we're looking at black land that is owned by black people who are black Americans, who allegiance is to America. And you got the American government actually pulling up a whole lot of shenanigans in order to be able to take the land. And then. Who can buy it? I mean, this is, I mean, you can't get this, this, this stuff you can't even see in television, movies, as it relates to black people. Because it should, it would, if nothing else, it would, it's, it's just as incis- ins- insensitive as seeing G- George Floyd uh, a knee on his neck, if not more. When talk when people talk about by 2050 black folks will be at zero, zero wealth, and we're watching even 2023, and this goes back to um, 1990, where black land, the basis of wealth, is being systematically removed, removed. from a- taken, just taken, just just snatch it. And you got elected officials talking about, well, we're going we we're going to turn this back over to USDA and hope they do the right thing. Are you kidding me? Congress passes the budget for USDA, Richard. It's not mm-hmm. like that's a separate organ. They pass a budget for USDA. Each year, they pass a budget for USDA. 
The 23, I pulled it up. USDA is requesting, this This is for this year, $195.9 billion as a operating budget. And it says compared to 2021, this amount represents an uh, uh, increase of $10.2 billion. So you've got, not million, $195.9 billion budget. That office that they created for that guy, Deadman, you heard her talking about it. It's a black guy at USDA. She said he came from Monsanto. You heard her? Mm-hmm. The office that they created, it says USDA, on May, March 1st, 2021, USDA announced the appointment of Dr. Dwayne Deadman as Senior Advisor for Racial Equity at the, uh, to the Secretary of Agriculture, meaning to Vilsack. And the $1.1 billion funding was used to create that office. $1.1 billion. So he'll say anything that Vilsack want him to say. And, and not, not only that, when we, see, I don't know if we're supposed to do this, Elliot, but when you mentioned about him, a Dr. Joel Hairston, and this is what um, Brother Otis um, sent to us, Dr. Joel Hairston Bronoff, black woman, Deputy Secretary of the United States, President-elect Joe Biden nominated, this is 2021, uh, former Virginia State University Dean of Agriculture to cabinet position. Where's she at? What's he got to say? <laughs> ain't that deputy secretary? Ain't that ain't that somebody close? Yeah, yeah, and and it's a quote unquote power position, supposedly. Anybody know? Anybody know what she said about black farmers? Wow. In USDA. And so, that, go ahead. Oh, no, okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Please. That that article that I read to her, uh, that's in the Daytona Times about Biden pledges. Now, this is a recent article, Richard. This is in July. That Biden pledges his $5.3 billion plan for black farmers. You heard her say that's a lie. I mean, the, the, and this is where propagandizing, I mean, and propaganda could be good or bad. But when it's a lie, it's bad, especially when it's for, it's saying something about a people. And when we get down to it, people talk about, we don't need to get down into the weeds. And in this, don't we need to get down into the weeds? Matter of fact, we need to stay in the weeds. Because these Negroes be doing some gorilla stuff. Picky boo. And who could, and who get bumped off? Maybe I ain't wow. making no sense. I don't know. Wow. Hey, well, listen. Um, <laughs> I, I'm glad that the you know the both of the boys, John, and and now all of a sudden Miss <laughs> Boyd is giving us updates on what has been going on, and you know we'll continue to get these updates and let people know exactly what's happening with our farmers and the double cross of what's going on. I mean, she already said that, uh, you know, that, that it's no surprise what she said about Biden. It's no surprise. But pulling the cover off these other ones 
that are sitting there letting this happen and using excuses to the black community. That's even worse. I expected that of Biden. Europeans have been lying to our people and Native American people. They've been lying since they've been here. So it's no surprise that they have lied. It's no surprise. Mm. But when you get our people doing this to one another, that that's that's uh that's that's treasonous. It goes into another level as far as I'm concerned. And we have to figure the language and the um the organizing and the clarity we need if these things are 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 real. Let's they, go. Don't, they want us to be landless, Elliot. They want us to be landless. Yeah, and, and fully dependent. If that's not a colonized people, I don't know what is, Richard. I don't know what is. What's the definition? Mm. That's not a citizen. That's an eternal colony. Let's go to Newport News. Newport. Hello, gentlemen. How yes, you sir. doing? Yes, sir. Can you hear me clearly? I hear you. We're getting a little feedback, yeah, okay. but the, well, you know what? Let oh, me try. Let me try the other one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I switched up. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. We hear you. Oh, come on. Let me, you know what? Let me come back to you. Are you there? You motherfucker. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think he, I think he done lost his, 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 his line there. You know, I took it off. There it is. You there? Yeah, can you hear me now? I, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, we hear, we hear you. Just because you turned seventy, don't mean you got to be saying anything out of your mouth. <laughs> hey, man, look, I wanted to tell y'all. You know, I've been rolling with y'all for a long time, man. And I'll tell you, I respect both of y'all brothers. And I was talking to some people on my birthday, and they were telling me telling me about how bad the internet was. And I use you two gentlemen, my association with y'all, over the internet because that's a lot. I said, you know, I said people can connect mentally and, and grow a movement without being direct contact if people are sincere and authentic. So I'm going to tell you, brothers, that man to man, love you two brothers. But I'm going to show you, like, I didn't know what this conversation was going to be. Got caught up in something else today. But I sent you a screenshot of an exchange I had with Ben Crump where Darity had made a comment in, on Ben Crump's uh, Twitter page. And they were talking about what? The black farmers. Some Ben Crump, I sent you a screenshot and a link to it. Crump is now entered into some multiple uh, lawsuits over the black farmer thing. And he, and it goes on to talk about how we used to have 19 million when we came out of Reconstruction, and now it's down to less than 5 million. So I, the first thing I said, I'm going to say it on there, I said, y'all get it because y'all know more. Every time I see the Steve Harvey of civil justice, equitable justice, because that's what he is. He is the only go-to black man in America. Out this whole country, all we could produce is a Ben Crump. 
But every time I see that nigga go step toward a mic, what ends up standing behind him is two or three white folks that he'll say that they hired as specialty this or that because he don't know a damn thing about what he's speaking on. But let me get back to the subject. When he talked about the 19 million that were lost, I went in, you know, because I'm country, and I, I tell y'all, I made a comment when they said in 1910, 14% of the farmers were black, owning more than 16 million acres of land. Today, only one in 100 farmers are black. Watch this. The documentary, Gaining Ground, is uncovering the long-term effects this had on families and their pursuit of generational wealth. Now, let me say this to you. Ben Crump. If me and you had left him in a room to himself and told him to write this tweet, would never have made it that condensed and telling you a lot. Number one, some kind of way is a, is a money-making venture in here with a documentary. But he talked about 1910. Then when you find out that this whole thing is linked to what? The black farmers that you just finished talking about. And here this woman is on here in real time in my life. This is why I love you, brothers. Is telling you a person who is actually a what? A participant in the whole deal, at the center of it. And here Ben Trump is out here creating a narrative for the public that he getting ready to do something for black farmers. And y'all know that the lady just finished telling you how what they even said they were going to do. They structured it so that blacks didn't get a damn thing. Mm. This is just like the civil rights. I told y'all, listen, I'm going to shut up after this. I told you, gentlemen, I called in to tell my real life. I told y'all the first time I heard somebody explain to me that the 1964 Civil Rights Act, the, white, the old men in the barbershop, Herman Cook's barbershop, and my father built in this little country town that I'm in. After all the teachers and stuff from Hampton Institute and the teachers that were sitting in the barbershop on a Saturday morning, after all of them left in the afternoon, jacking their yards, I'm sweeping up the hair and stuff all day. And the old folks told me, say, Marty, what do you think of that? I said, what do you mean? I said, they, they, they say that somehow this, this is real good. The old folks say, Marty. Them Negroes been to school. They don't understand white folks. He said, I guarantee you. Y'all going to get it on paper, but somehow, and this is how they explained it to me. They say, you know, if you got a pie and you got eight pieces, they say by the time they give it to you, you will have to give up a couple of slices to somebody. If you ain't careful, this is the exact words of Mr. Barber. It's going to be their mama, their sister, their wife, and all of them with all of this stuff about equal rights for women. This is old country people. I'm telling farmers. And I swear to you, by 1965, y'all know for the historical record, the farmers was correct. Them niggas that have been to school and willing to do exactly what she's talking about, that the, the, the black man that they appointed did, these Negroes come under what I've said to y'all, and I swear to you, I learned it in the, seventh, in the sixth or seventh grade. Miss Valonia Moore took us on a field trip, and we stopped. There's a sign in Gloucester, Virginia, that says, this is the site of the original enactment of 1710 meritorious manumission. What does that mean? Negroes get rewarded for doing what the master tells them. Mm. And, and you can't be, I swear to you, the biggest thing holding us back, I heard people say it's gender stuff and all that, but I'm telling you, the biggest thing that holds us back is in this capitalist society, 
where you watch the things through the filter of that blue-eyed demon, the only way you can have value in life is what you can consume, can grab materially. That's what they lead you to believe with what you, I love you, what you call the television. But in reality, it's only the poor white ones that go along with that because all the time they're making money on keeping your eyes on consuming and not bonding, building uh, community and putting values in the system. There's, there's money in making sure that you keep people on the street so you can continue to lock them up and produce <laughs> money and take them out of the work environment. Yep. <laughs> much love to you, brother. <laughs> I'm I'm glad to be here for 70 years. I'm going to tell you, it's been a nice trip for y'all for at least six, seven years. Keep on doing what you're doing. Much love, brother. Happy birthday. Thank you for your contribution. All right. And don't eat too much cake. <laughs> or drinking that, drinking that, uh, that white water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Richard, uh, you know what? Let me... Let me just share this here with the listening audience. Then, we uh, before I go to, uh, I call it in Philadelphia. Let me let me share this, Richard, because, um, and it's nothing that we don't already know, and it's nothing that Europeans don't already know. You know, some of our people, and and it really puzzles me sometimes. For example, last week. Uh, our friend out of New York called and, and made comments about DeSantis and what we're going to do about it. You remember that, Richard? Yeah. And uh, the overwhelming consensus from the guests and, and the, myself when I chimed in is that we need to do what we're doing and don't worry about necessarily, you know, putting, you know, worrying. We can comment on it. But like worrying about what we're going to do about them, we don't. We need to be worrying about what we're going to do about ourselves. Now you heard him, and I'm talking about DeSantis, make comments about, uh, you know, black people really didn't have any skills when they came here. They learned things, and they were, and he mentioned about being a blacksmith. I don't know whether you caught any of that because you don't have a television, Richard. But he he mentioned. Uh, being a blacksmith in particular to, to try to bolster his point. Uh, let me read. This is from the Library of Congress. Uh, you know, they always want to, uh, you know, reverence those hallowed halls and the materials that they have there. So let me read from their own materials, Richard. A couple of couple of paragraphs. Well, it's more than a couple of paragraphs. I just want to share this, and then when I'm going to go to, uh, uh, to Philadelphia. This was in the Library of Congress, uh, and it's entitled Africans in America, Life in a Slave Society. That's the heading, Richard. It says, when captive Africans, and, and, and this is another thing, too, and this is just me adding this, you know, this really needs to sink into some of our people that want to disassociate themselves from the mother continent for whatever odd reasons. But let this sink in because these people know exactly who they brought here. They're not confused. 
maybe some of us that don't want to be associated with uh, the mother continent for some strange reason, maybe we're confused. The confusion lies with us, not with them. Let me read this, and this is from the Library of Congress. It's entitled Africans in America, Life in a Slave Society. It says, when African, when captive Africans first set foot in North America, they found themselves in the midst of a slave society. During most of the 17th and 18th centuries, slavery was a law in every one of the 13 colonies, North and South alike, and was employed by its prominent citizens, including all members of the founders of the United States. The importation of captives for enslavement was provided for in the U.S. Constitution and continued to take place on a large scale even after it was made illegal in 1808. The slave system was one of the principal engines of the new nation's financial independence, and it grew steadily until it was abolished by war. On arrival, most of the new captives were moved into holding pens, separated from their shipmates, and put up for auction. Then they faced the challenge of surviving in a society that had declared each of them to be private property, and that was organized to maintain their subservient status. In the eyes of the law, they had no authority to make decisions about their own lives, and they could be bought, sold, tortured, educated, or killed at the slaveholder's will. All of the most crucial things in their lives, from the dignity of their daily labor to the valor of their resistance from the comforts of family to the pursuit of art, music, and worship had to be accomplished in the face of a slave society's attempt to deny their humanity. Enslaved people of African descent could be found in all parts of the country and put their hands to virtually every type of labor in the United States, uh, in North America. They tended wheat fields, and fruit orchards in New York and New Jersey. They traveled underground to mine iron and lead in Ohio Valley. They piloted fishing boats and worked the docks in New England. They operated printing presses in New York City, diaries in Delaware, uh, dairies in Delaware, and managed households from Florida to Maine. Even in the early 19th century, when the southern cotton plantation system was at its peak, enslaved Africans still piled their own special, piloted their own special skills and worked at a wide variety of trades. Africans also brought skills and trades of their homeland to North America. They were expertise. Their expertise shaped the industry and agriculture of this continent. West Africans, with experience navigating the waterways of their homeland, helped open the rivers and canals of the northwest frontier to boat traffic. And seasoned African cattle drivers were able to supply their skills to ox teams and livestock. Many Africans were deeply familiar with large-scale rice and indigo cultivation which were completely unknown to European Americans. Without the skills of Africans, 
of their descendants, the rice fields of South Carolina and Louisiana might never have existed. African culture was brought to bear on the businesses of everyday life in African America. However, the long separation from the homeland. Excuse me. Let me let me read that again. African culture was also brought to bear on the businesses of everyday life in African America. However, the long separation from their homeland. However long the separation from their homeland might have been. The forms of worship, family organization, music, food, and language developed by African Americans in a slave society can all be seen to bear the signs of African traditional culture. As can the architecture, art, and handicrafts they left behind. In some areas, such as South Carolina and Florida, several different West African languages were melted over the years to form a new dialect known as Gullah or Geechee that partially survives in some rural areas to this day, particularly in songs. The world that enslaved Africans made for themselves in the new world was rich and complex and was the site of countless human conflicts, challenges to oppression, and the necessity accommodations for survival. Uh, so, Richard, you know, now this is written, it's in the library. You can go to pull up Library of Congress and pull this, this up and read it. So, I mean, is it even worth the conversation to talk to those people about our people never brought anything to this society? When Europeans themselves admit that everything that that, that was here that they utilize was brought here by other people. And he even admits here in this article that, uh, that let me read this again. Many Africans were deeply familiar with large scale rice and indigo cultivation, which were completely unknown to European Americans without the skills of Africans and their descendants. The rice fields of South Carolina and Louisiana might not might never have existed. So, you know, Europeans admit clearly. I mean, you know, is it even worth the conversation to even argue or have some type of debate with dumbasses like like any of those folks? I mean, is it worth it? Not at all. I mean, these things should be drilled and taught to our children that these were the skills that their ancestors brought here not disassociating ourselves from our ancestors that came here. That's crazy. And that's a slave mentality, whether you realize it or not. We should be proud of what our people brought here under these circumstances, living with these people and able to retain some of these things in the recesses of our minds. I I just wanted to read that in reference to some of the dumbass comments that uh, these people be making, you know, they can go right to their own library of Congress, which they so, so richly hold in high regard and read what they said about the people that they brought here. I just wanted to throw that in, Richard. 
It's necessary all the time, especially as, as we look at what is, once again, when we talk about land, what is what we acquired and how systematically but consistently being taken away. Uh, before we go to, um, let's go to, oh, wait, let me, let me, let me do this first. Oh, got the wrong one. Let me, let me hit the, I hit the wrong button. Let me, uh, it's coming. This is to be Black Liberation Movement. Elmer Geronimo Pratt Gun Club presents the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Building Power Summit, free the land, undivide, and reclaim. September 15th to the 17th, Jackson, Mississippi at the historic Black Tougaloo College. Portions of the conference to be aired on Time for an Awakening Media, Black Talk Radio Network. Calling all serious black power organizations, revolutionaries, organizers to attend this divine experience. For more information, contact Brother Patrick Lumumba, 662-560-5434, Sister Crystal Denise, 405-361-4751, and Brother Nick Bezel, 512-364-0050. That's the 7th Annual Black Liberation Movement Building Power Summit 2023. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Let's go to uh, 267. 267. Good, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good evening, Brother Richard. How you doing, good brothers? All right. Uh, praise be to Allah. Wow. Let me, let me, before I talk about your subject, man, let me first give my condolences, Brother Elliot and Richard. You know, we love Nathan Islam lost one of our very beautiful brother, dedicated brother to the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and, and Minister Farrakhan was but Minister Jabril Muhammad. He made transition back on July 16th. They had his janaz of the day at Mas Mariam in Chicago. And just like Sister Abel, who made transition early this year, he was a valuable brother that loved our people and lived his whole life. He didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. And may Allah be pleased with Brother Jabril Muhammad. And uh, Brother Otis said he just said a birthday. I don't know if me and Brother Otis had the same birthday. I, I know it was, we, we might have might had the same day. Mine was yesterday. And I'm, I know Brother Otis mentioned his. So to you, to Brother Otis out there listening, I wish you, Brother, happy birthday. And may the Creator bless you to see many more. I know he said he reached 70. May the Creator bless you to see many, many more. So as one shout that shout out to Brother Otis in, in Newport News. Again, by the way, I was in Newport News last September. He said and his, I had family. He said his was the 29th. Was what July the ninth? He said his was the twenty ninth. Oh, 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 that was yesterday. Mine's too. Then yeah, mine's was yesterday too. Wow, oh. me and brother Otis shared birthday. Wow, thanks, brother Otis. I love that man. It's a good. No, we 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 in, in, in the same uh, birth year. That's, I mean, birth, birth month, birth, birth month and birthday, man. So right back at you, brother uh, Otis. May the creator bless you to see many, many more, brother. That's beautiful, man. You know, and uh, I, I tell you, brother Elliot Richard, you know. Brother Richard, you mentioned earlier about uh, former Secretary of Agriculture, Shirley Sherrod. Is that correct, Brother Richard? Uh, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, and I'm glad you brought her up. Because, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Richard. I'm sorry. She was State Director of um, in Georgia. Georgia. Right. Well, see, I'm glad you brought her up because when, 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 she, when she held that post during Obama administration, you know she was done a dirty deal, and that cowardly-ass Obama didn't have no 
heart to, to write that wrong because what happened was the white racist white ring media. She was commenting. She made a comment because she grew up in the South, and she was saying, as a young girl, how these white racist farmers and you know white landowners how they treated her father and she said she was hating white people but she didn't just stop there she says as she got older and started realizing that maybe all whites wasn't like that she says her attitude changed towards whites as a rule she said she found out it was some whites that was trying to be humane and fair and she changed her views but see the right wing media didn't say that they just cut it off when she says I hate white people, and they and they use that as a pretext, Brother Richard and Brother Ellen, and the time for the listen to get a fly from their job. And once Obama, because Obama, he jumped right out there in the fray and, and condemned her words and everything. But once it was shown that 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 her full her full paragraph wasn't out there, then. Obama could have corrected that wrong by reappointing her to, to head of agriculture, but he didn't do it because he was such a spineless coward. And I say all that to say this. See, the time for making this noise, many of us are not aware that's what happened to Shirley Sherrod. And Obama, again, he didn't stand up and be a man and support that sister like he should have. But again, I'm not surprised because that's him. You know what I mean? He don't never stand by black people. He couldn't stand by according to Miss Boyd, uh, Mr. Boyd and the black farmers. So I'm not surprised with nothing he do, but Negroes still love him. They still hold him up on a pedestal and stuff like that. And he's a disgrace in this life and a disgrace in the next life. And if it's rumored to be true, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that this is what his so-called half-brother said. He he might even have a he might even have a little hitch in his in his walk and stuff. That I didn't say that his half brother said that the other day on the and stuff. It was alleged that said he might have a little hitch in his walk if you get my drift. So you know. But anyway, uh, hey, the point then is this: is that it's it's a, it's a lot to deal with, man. Because like Miss Boy was saying that uh, you know you can't trust these people. Uh, 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 Joe Biden flat out lied. Say he was gonna meet with Mr. Boy. Remember he that he made that comment. He was gonna meet with Mr. Boy. Never did. And you know, and, and, and like you said, Elliot, where's your black leadership to hold Biden accountable for that? I mean, he can meet with Ukraine. He done met with this Ukrainian clown three or four times over the eight time I see my appear on TV, he's sitting there with him. You know what I mean, Elliot? But he can't meet with Mr. Boyd at least one time. Hmm. Is, is something wrong with that picture? Yeah, well, listen, they. Um, <laughs> I, I just read uh, the other day that they gave three hundred and seventy-two million dollars to Taiwan. I mean. They give out all of this money, but I mean it's been pro- it's been proven and admitted that the USDA discriminated against black people, stole their sure. land, and they don't want to. I don't know what that's telling black people. And you heard Ms. Boyd say that the black media is not talking enough about it. They didn't get their marching orders from the white media, you know that, or the white establishment. They don't. A lot of them niggas can't. They can't. You know, get. They can't go to the bathroom until they get permission in a manner of speaking. Well, you know what I mean? and, and plus, Joe, if 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 um, if black media talked about it in the fashion that they should, then you'd have the, the, a, a, a large percentage, in my opinion, of black people starting to look at their own representatives. Like, wait a minute, oh, what, what are you doing? So being mm-hmm. in a lot of popular black media are friends with a lot of these representatives. They might take money from the Democratic Party and they're friends mm-hmm. with a lot of they're not gonna do they're not gonna put those people out there like that. They're not gonna do it. 
Of course not. And, and that's where shows like yours come in hand. That's why Miss Boy made the comment to you and Brother Richard. That's why shows like yours is important. You know what the words you use to get the truth out there, to get the word out there. Because like you said, Ellie, when you mentioned Hakeem Jeffries and, that, and his ilk, see, a lot of black people to this day, Ellie, and they're good people. They just don't, they don't have the right information. That's why shows like yours are important. They don't know that people like Hakeem Jeffries, Gregory Meeks, Raphael Warnock, Eric Adams, they don't know that these Negroes swore their allegiance to Israel. I mean, they, a lot of them to this day don't know that, that you talk to the average black person or whatever that make that you might come into in your place of business or you're just dealing with just in society in the restaurant, whatever, you get in the conversation, they'll swear up and down these Negroes are great people because they don't know the right influence. They don't know they, they swore allegiance to Israel. And I'm saying to myself, these Negroes can swear allegiance to a racist, vile, phony-ass state that was created on the backs of Palestinian people and stuff like that, st stolen land that you can't find in Israel on no map before 1947. They can swear allegiance to these white Jews who have a history of being racist to the core, a part that supported the regime in South Africa, that murdered our people in Sharpville, Soweto. These niggas can swear allegiance to that, to that tyr tyrannical government, but they can't swear that same allegiance to black people that vote for them. I mean, if that, if that ain't an oxymoron, and again, our people just don't know. That's why they don't call these people out, because I'm Confess, and like you said, if the black media would expose these things up to our people about these Negroes, they'll be they'd be picking outside these Negroes' offices, man. Whether it be Adams, Warnock, Hakeem Jeffries, but they just don't have the right information. And as Brother Dick Gregory used to always say, information is powerful, and he's right. When you got the right information, brother, you can move a mountain. But our people just don't have the right information with these Negroes, man. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's it's absurd. And like, and and quote what Brother you and Brother Richard said about Clyde I mean. Are you kidding me, man? For that Negro, or, or, or well, I'm, I'm just gonna get raw right now. Forgive me. For that nigga, because he's not a black man, he's a nigga. For that nigga to get up there and say some stupid shit like that about, you know, they just gotta take it on a chin. I mean, what, I mean, come on, man. What, what is you talking about, man? These, like you said, this, this, this is not no. This is not the John Boyd uh, 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 show. This is John, Mr. Boyd and his wife, beautiful wife. They represent hundreds upon hundreds of black farmers throughout America that's in, the, that's in danger to lose their farm. So this Negro comes from taking on the chin. What the hell are you talking about, Negro? You know, I mean, again... The average black person think Cloudborn is is, is a is, is a big bag of you know, is a big 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 behoot on the hill. If they knew what this some of that stuff that nigger done did over the years, slimy stuff you done did to, to sell black people out, they would run that nigger out of South Carolina. They run him right down t Tobacco Road down there somewhere. But they don't they don't have the right information. They think he's a great person because they see him on TV on CNN with Anderson Cooper, what he's of the Europeans, so they think he some kind of big mahooter. Our people just don't know the truth about these Negroes. I'm telling you, Ellen Rich, I'm, I swear to God, they just don't know the truth about these Negroes, man. This is why they continue to put these people to pedestal, because the masses of our people just don't know. They just don't know about these people, man. And Cloudborn always been a slimy Negro. He, I notice he, he's a typical Negro in a sense, this, in this respect, Ellen Richard. He always tends to get his dander up when it comes to black people. Like remember, Ellie, you said on that interview he was talking to a brother, and he got, like, kind of indignant. Remember, Ellie? Yeah, when the brother I, asked him about reparations. Right, exactly. Now, he can sit there and get indignant with that brother, but several years ago, and stuff when that white bigot spit in his face, not just slapped his face, not slapped him, which would have been just as bad. But this white bigot spit in his face with his with his body fluids, and that 
coward to go sit there and say he don't know better, he don't know what he do. I, I you know, we I don't gonna stoop to it. He took the Michelle Obama Cowley way out. When they go high, we, when they go low, we go high. If that had been a black man or woman spit on that nigga's face, he probably would have shot him. But he can, <laughs> but he can find it in his heart to be so forgiving and so non-aggressive against this white man. I get so, man, I get so sick of these spineless Negroes. They make me sick. To, I swear, they make me sick to my stomach, man. I just, brother Otis just turned seventy. I turned sixty-two yesterday, and I thank Allah that I, I, I can just deal with these kind of Negroes, man. Cause these Negroes are enough to make your blood pressure go up, man. Cause they so spineless and, and they spineless and cowardly when they come to their own people. Uh, I mean, I mean, when they come to the white man, but they, they get their, as Malcolm said, they get their what's the name, the Superman suit on when they when they come to black people. They ready to rumble and stuff. Then, man, I mean, you just get sick of these Negroes, and like and it all goes back. Like you said, it's always a solution to these issues. We got to cultivate. I mean, and all I say this, but every fiber of my body, man, I'm serious. We have got to, as a people, Elliot, Brother Elliot and Richard, and the time for we can listen to it is, we have got to do our best. None of us are perfect. We all can, can learn, you know, knowledge is from the cradle to the grave. We have got to, like you said, Brother Elliot, start trying to cultivate some beautiful young brothers and sisters that's conscious, that truly love our people. And in and, and the days of the cowboys, the high King Jeffers can be a thing of the past. Because, that's, I mean, that's, we just got to be for real about this, Elliot. That's the only way our people will move forward. Because as long as our people keep on putting Negroes like that in the office on the city, Adams on the city level, you got these clowns here in, in, in Pennsylvania, on, like the Vincent Hughes of the world on the state level. The cloud, the 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 the, the cloudborns and the high kings on the federal level. Our people, it's not going anywhere. We are not going anywhere because these Negroes are not about bucking the white establishment, rocking the boat, so to speak. They they comfortable in the white man's foot up there behind. As long as they're getting their nice paycheck, their their, their perks, they go with being a congressman, a senator, mayor. They not rocking nothing. All they want, they they comfortable in this white oppression. As long as they get theirs and their family members getting a job and their cronies, they okay. But they don't give a damn about the massive black. Children going to piss poor schools with the best is that it poor curriculums, uh, out of date textbooks. They're okay with all that stuff, man. Long as they and their own personal ilk is taken care of, and and, and whether we want to face that reality now, that's the real deal, man. Them niggas, they can talk all the damn lip service they want, but their allegiance is the white people. Their allegiance is these white Jews in Israel. That's where their allegiance is not to black people. And like you said, we have got to start cultivating these young sisters and brothers throughout the United States. We got plenty of them out there that that people might know about. We got to try to start doing our best to get these young sisters and brothers that in office that can truly represent our people, like you said, and move our people forward. That's the only way, man, because as long as we keep going down this road with these Negroes, it's a definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Well, that different result is not going to happen unless we change our way of doing things, man. And that's the bottom line. Well, thank you. You know, thank you. Let me express myself, brother Alan Richard. You can put me on mute, and I'll listen to the remainder of the show. Thanks for your contribution. Yeah, you're welcome. Richard, in the um, in the uh, remaining time that we have left, um, the deep uh, within this work, and um, oh, if you reach out to her, you should you should have her come on and talk to you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm still I'm still here. Oh, okay. Uh, they're broadcasting on Clubhouse, and and they're, uh, um, some people are making comments about um, uh, Mrs. Boyd's, um, you know, what she what she was um, speaking to, and and how 
you know, so much in line they there are, you know, how happy they are for the information, but so much in line in in in, in that. And it was just a sister talking about um, you know, other um, you know, I guess being a, a farmer, her her experience to that. Oh, okay. So 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 Elliot, we're we're all over the place trying to um get the information out. Well, you know what? A couple of things that I want to throw out there before we leave, Richard. Um, I know you've been following that situation. Well, you got a situation going on in Niger or Nigeria. Right. Uh, we got to get the um, uh, uh, oh my goodness, his name just flew out of my head. How how did? But I hate when you have having moments. Um, oh, Maurice Carney back on here to talk about. Uh, what's really happening? Because we see these coups happening, and uh, <laughs> they told the French to get out the country. You know, after they took over, they told the French to get out of the country. You seen that, Richard? Yeah, yeah. So we we we, we got to look at what's going on there. You see the situation in Haiti, and some of the people have been talking about what the United States intend to do down there. Now, you probably didn't see it. It was on the television yesterday. I think it was. That all of a sudden, it's a white girl that's been kidnapped, and Uh-oh. she's being held hostage by some factions down there in Haiti. See, this will give them the opportunity to do just what they want to do. They want to go in there and try to take things by force. Mm. So this is the way that uh, they could do it, and then curry uh, uh, support uh, by other Europeans and some blacks. So let's keep an eye on these situations and maybe bring some people on to talk about these things in a, in a more in-depth way. Um, Sounds good. Brother uh, Uncle uh, Chief Uncle Wally up there in Tulsa um, will probably join us maybe next week to kind of talk about uh, what they intend to do now that uh, they threw that case out about reparations for our people, that, and especially those elders that's, that's left for what happened up there in, uh, in, in Tulsa. So we'll probably get an update from, uh, from a uh, chief on, on what's going on. Also Tom Burrell, Richard, uh, a yeah. solution to some of the problems. If you remember when Mr. Burrell was on, who is the president of the black farmers and agriculturalists association. And his a lot of, a lot of, uh, Mr. Burrell's work is in the Midwest. Uh, you remember when he was on last, Richard, and talked about Mason's situation, right? And his plans to try to organize the farm because they they're going through that area and basically trying to. You see what they're doing with the with farmers all around the country, basically force them off. Mm-hmm. But what he was saying was, you won't be able to stop this situation. Um, with with uh, with. What, t- what Tennessee wants to do because this is the the largest project they ever had as a state. Right. I think that plan that they, he said that that plant they want to build that the, the old Detroit plant was two thousand acres. I, th- I think he said this is double that size, and where they're giving that city a city designation. So oh yeah, yeah, he's trying to organize the farmers to, you know, if they need. Uh, acre or two if somebody if a farmer got 20 acres and they need five acres or whatever for a road uh, then you know 
let them utilize it, but then utilize other things where we can start putting in hotels, uh, bed and breakfasts, storage warehouses, yeah, mm-hmm. warehouses, things of that nature, where and black folks can start moving to that area. Because that's the difference, Richard. Is blacks own a lot of that land down there where they want to put this this uh, this plant? Yeah, they they're landowners, so it, that's a different dynamic than what happened in Detroit at the, the, the turn of the nineteenth, early nineteenth century or early twentieth century. I'm sorry, it's a little bit different dynamic. Yeah, in fact, it's a lot different dynamic. So I think that meeting, uh, that meeting was today. I think Richard. Right. So we'll get Mr. Burrell on to kind of update our people to what's going on in Mason uh, around organizing some of the black farmers to uh, approach this a little differently. I think he said he's going to have some attorneys there to kind of help them walk through, walk through, walk through some things. Right. So uh, entitlement um, entitlement. Oh, excuse me. Tangled titles. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of these men that are active activists, man, they 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 sacrifice a lot to try to organize our people. So, you know that that's the, you know, when we have the men on talk about what they're doing, not what they want to do, or not being an armchair to tell the people what they're doing to try to organize our people. It, it's always that information is always valuable because you can use those things wherever you are if yeah. you want to start trying to organize or do something you can you don't have to reinvent the wheel it's the blueprints already laid yep so i'd uh be looking forward to uh to next week's program before we leave tonight just want to give the lineup on time for an awakening media mondays wednesdays oh you know what richard before i do that um but i, I listen i'll hold that I, i'll hold that i'll hold on to that for right now until uh, we can uh, have a little bit more conversation because I talked with uh, some of the brothers down there in New Orleans and the sub- some of the things that they want to do in reference to uh, to getting information out. So we'll we'll talk about that. That's something that the Time for Awakening audience will hear more about in the coming weeks. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics. And dialogue on African perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on in the week on Thursday, Mississippi on the Move, the Black Liberation Movement down in Mississippi. Brother Patrick Lumumba's host from 7 to 8 on Thursday. And you heard the Black uh, Liberation Summit that's coming to Jackson on September the 15th to the 17th. You've heard the advertisements. You'll be hearing more about that, uh, more about some of the folks that will be uh uh, coming down, you can be a part of that too. Uh, that's Thursdays, 7 to 8 on Time for an Awakening Media. Fridays, Time for Awakening is back from 8 until Saturdays, the Elders of Sankofa from 7 to 9 with Dr. Janine James' host. And Time for Awakening is back from 7 until on Sunday. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, or you 